0: Welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick Cody and our producer, Justin. Nice to have all three of us back on the pod here for our divisional round review. Guys, how are we doing on a uh, Tuesday night? Recording a couple days late because I was sick over the weekend. Apologize about that, guys. But um, I, I think an overall sort of disappointing weekend of football just from an aesthetic standpoint. But Cody, your your Chiefs did advance. So how are we feeling in general about this weekend? Uh,
1: Justin, you want to kick it off? you have any thoughts on the weekend? Um, this past week or the weekend coming up? Uh, either one, yeah. starting with this weekend before you have anything from the weekend that just happened. Um, sad to
0: see Dallas, Dallas fall there. Um,
1: yeah, I would deck's agree. That's not
0: their guy. I don't think, I think they got to give it a deck. I don't know what that looks like, but
1: yeah, it probably looks like a year or two from now, but yeah. I, mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you. <laughs> I feel like they are, that's probably their, their best option is to find a way to move off them eventually, but Hard to do at this point. Do you have anything you want to say about this upcoming weekend? I assumed it was Chiefs related since you were jumping all over that one.
0: Uh, This upcoming weekend, yeah, I think the... uh with or without Mahomes, y'all are definitely going down.
1: All right, uh, and that's why you're so. a producer. So <laughs> okay. mute that mic and let's get this let's get this puppy rolling. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I think you're right, though. I think the Chiefs are in a lot of danger this weekend. Uh, obviously, Mahomes' ankle injury is going to be a big, you know, topic for basically the entire week uh, if you listen or consume any kind of sports podcast or content. So uh, it's pretty big for us. But um, yeah, like Nick said, I mean the games weren't really that aesthetic. I mean, after the Chiefs game, none of them were really close. Uh, the Dallas-San Francisco game ended up being only seven points, but kind of felt like San Francisco was in control for most of that game. But huh. yeah, I mean, like, kind of like you said, I feel like it wasn't the most aesthetic weekend, but uh, we, got our, we got our final four teams and probably the best four teams remaining in the NFL. So I feel like that is always a positive.
0: Yeah, hopefully this weekend of games helps make up for the lack of fireworks this past weekend, Cody. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kick it off with a little bit of our betting recap, and uh, Cody, you should go ahead and do the honors because I, uh, I really uh, pooped the bed this weekend on my side of things, and you did the opposite. So I'll go ahead and give you the floor.
1: Yeah, well, it's pretty easy to do when we basically picked opposite picks the <laughs> yes, entire way, did. except for both of us tailing Dallas plus four and a half. So. Uh, Yeah, I mean, six for six through the first three games, I was feeling pretty good. Um, Felt like I had a pretty good beat on the weekend, but I wasn't even that, you know, extremely confident. And the way the games played out wasn't necessarily the way that I thought. I thought the Chiefs game was going to be, you know, a good game. I feel like if Mahomes' ankle doesn't get hurt, it kind of looked like the Chiefs could have blown the doors off the Jags, similar to what Philadelphia did to Dallas, which, Helped me, but I kind of assumed that game was going to be a little bit closer than that. I thought it'd be somewhat of a fight. And then uh, even the Cincy Buffalo game, I thought that game was coming down to a field goal. So I just wanted the team getting the points. So, um, yeah, I had a really good weekend, actually, betting wise. Hit a couple of parlays. I think the winner of all four parlays, I think Nick did as well. So, Overall, I had a really solid betting weekend. Um, If I would have lay off of the anytime touchdown parlays, I'd probably be a very rich man, but always seem to find a way to make one or two of those.
0: Yeah, as Cody said, we were kind of uh, opposite on the first three games. So I was 0-6 to his 6-6, for and then I uh, picked up the under on the Dallas game. A couple of bad beats with the Chiefs and the Cowboys. I believe those were the right sides on the spread. Just did not end up falling in our favor there. But I just completely whiffed on the Eagles Giants game and the uh, the Bills Bengals game, so I just gotta take my lumps there. We're gonna move on, uh, hopefully get better. But you know, my, my good luck really ran out this weekend uh, from a you know totality on the season standpoint. I'm hoping that I can turn it around here in the uh, the championship round and maybe the Super Bowl and kind of uh, make up for my my bad run there during the divisional round games. Um, to- Cody
1: is if you're someone. If you're someone who's jumping onto the pot a little bit late, I do just want to say I'm pretty sure Nick ended up at like 60, or not 60, like 57, 58% on the entire regular season. So uh, this little spurt of luck I found in the playoffs, or I guess uh, unluckiness that Nick has found definitely should not be highlighted too, uh, too much because you're well above positive if you include this with your regular season. Right. So.
0: I appreciate the pickup, Cody. Uh, you are leading so far in the playoffs. Uh, you are 11-9 and 9 on the spreads and the over-unders. I'm down to 8-12 and 12 after my down week, so I'm going to have to sweep the championship round and the Super Bowl to get myself back to positive. Hopefully at least get back to even. Uh, we'll see. I have a pretty decent read on this weekend, or at least I think I do. Obviously it uh, didn't work out for me last week, but... Uh, I think we're going to have better luck this time around. We'll see how it goes when we do our championship round preview later in the week. But let's go ahead and jump into these games here. We're trying to run through this pod here today, not keep you guys here too long. Only four games to get through. But we are going to start with the Chiefs-Jaguars. Chiefs end up taking this one 27-20. Again, a real bad beat in this one. Jags had a very late field goal that did not end up meaning much that uh, ended up covering the spread for them. But just a big-time wasted opportunity for Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, with the Mahomes ankle injury, the door got open for them to actually win this game. I feel like the offense really let them down. They had opportunities several times. Uh, obviously, the Jamal Agnew fumble was kind of the nail in the coffin at the end of the game uh, and really just a killer for them. He I mean, just never really had control of that ball, but just enough to be considered a fumble. So, disappointing game overall for the Jaguars, but I think the arrows pointed up for them moving forward. How did you feel about their effort in this one?
1: Um. I felt like their effort wasn't, you know, necessarily the issue. I mean, the Jabal, Jamal Agnew fumble basically completely changed the game when that happened. I mean, if they score there, you don't necessarily know what happened. Um, I mean, Mahomes was definitely limited. I mean, they're def- like you said, Jacksonville definitely had a chance. I just felt like their offense kind of let them down. Um, I really feel like like the, Jack- the way that Jacksonville designed some of their run plays is just almost to perfection. I mean, they are, he's at like Doug Peterson's at the level of Kyle Shanahan when it comes to designing blocks for the run plays. It was, I mean, it is a statement, but it was just, it was so, so fun to watch. I felt like I like ETN. I feel like if they had a, you know, more of a hammer back there at the running back position, maybe they turned to him a little bit more, but yeah, I felt like just their offense in general from a passing perspective, just kind of lacked, but you know, Trevor Lawrence is only a second playoff game. Obviously, coming off the, you know, one of the craziest wins in playoff history. Kind of what you just expect from a young guy. So not too, like I said, not too much that I wasn't expecting. Besides just the Mahomes injury, just threw just a complete wrench into this entire game. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. I think they definitely had their opportunities. Uh, they showed some, you know, some of the weakness of the Kansas City defense here really uh, spring forward, but they just did not take advantage of their opportunities. A couple plays went their way. Could have been a different result, that big uh, long throw to Christian Kirk that he just missed, uh, The obviously the fumble to Agnew, and then uh, the interception at the end were three key plays in this one really ended up turning the tide towards the Chiefs' end here. Since this is the last time we're going to talk about Jacksonville this season, I want to ask one big fantasy question moving forward, and I think this is probably the most interesting one I have for us today. Which wide receiver do you want next year, Cody? That would be... The options I think are, you could make an argument for really any of them. Uh, they are Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Calvin Ridley, obviously coming back next year as well. I think it's a pretty interesting discussion. Where do you land?
1: Yeah. I So I'm going to kind of put these as like, I'm going to use our league as an example because there is a chance that one of these three could be kept depending on your roster and, and such and, you know, what your pick situation looks like. So, Um, I would say Christian Kirk would be at the top of that list for me. Uh, Most recently paid, seemed to be the most used receiver in this offense. So I just, I I feel the best with him. Uh, Number two is where I kind of have a little bit of a question because you would think it should be Calvin Ridley pretty easily, but we're seeing a pretty decent trend here that people that are out of, or players, not just people, players that are out of the NFL for over a year's length of time they come back, don't typically find their footing right away. So I think Calvin Ridley can be a guy that you, if you're in a dynasty or mini dynasty or even redraft, you just kind of wait on. And if you see something in him, maybe you try and trade for him early in next season, but he doesn't carry too much value for me um, as far as this off season goes, unless you're in full dynasty and you have, you know, you need a wide receiver or something. That's a different situation, but just going into next year, I'd be very concerned for Calvin Ridley if, if he's someone that you're going to be relying on going into the season.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I don't have too much to argue with there on your order. Uh, I will say I'd probably put Calvin Ridley at the top just for his upside, but uh, I think from a, a value standpoint in the draft – I think the guy I'm going to end up most with is Zay Jones. I could easily see him kind of falling back to the, you know, the third wide receiver in this offense in fantasy conversations and with that a lot of value could be had. Uh, I just really like the player. I think he looks really good this year, showed some chemistry with Trevor Lawrence and if Trevor is able to level up and this offense kind of takes the next step into that, you know, potential top 5 type unit. Zay Jones could be a really good draft day value where uh, obviously Calvin Ridley is going to dominate the headlines here. Christian Kirk might be more of the you know safer PPR type of wide receiver. And then Zay Jones could kind of uh, fall in drafts more, even though he has shown a connection with Trevor Lawrence and just is a really solid player. Honestly, I've been very impressed with his game this year. He's shown some deep. You know, deep playability as well as just good route running in general. So I think Zay Jones might be my favorite draft day value at this point, but uh, I think I would take Ridley if all things are equal just for the upside.
1: Yeah, and just to kind of hammer my last point before we switch over to the Chiefs, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like Calvin Ridley is going to end up getting overdrafted in this upcoming draft because he's going to be coming back, somewhat of a big name. Trevor Lawrence is his quarterback, but like you said, he's going to be fighting with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. And after you know 18 months of not playing NFL football, what is he going to look like for that first month back in the NFL? you know, the way that we are seeing the trends, he should struggle just based off again, what we've seen. So, yeah, I think Zay Jones is a huge draft day value. And, you know, even someone that if you're in a dynasty league and you need kind of a flexible option, then he's someone you can target and just be like, look, you have, you know, you can basically use our argument against them and just be like, look, you have Calvin Ridley coming back next year. Exactly. Do you really want the third piece in this offense?
0: Yeah, 100%. I would not mind buying low on him heading into next year with Calvin Ridley coming back into the fold. And maybe that Zay Jones owner expecting a dip in production because of that. But uh, oftentimes, like Cody alluded to earlier, that's not what we end up seeing. Let's go ahead and move over to the Chiefs here. Uh, Cody, our resident Chiefs fan, I'm going to just give my piece here real quick and then toss it to you so you can give your side of things. Uh, They got the win. It was a really tough weekend for Chiefs fans in general, though, I think. Obviously, uh, winning a playoff game is always going to be you know, something you should not take for granted. But uh, the huge story here is Patrick Mahomes, his ankle. He has been diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. Uh, impossible to see him 100% for this weekend. I'm sure he's going to go out there and give it a go. But uh, the second half of that game against the Jaguars did not look great. And that was not a very good defense. I think this Bengals unit is going to present a much tougher challenge for him in championship round. So what is your confidence level in the Chiefs right now, Cody?
1: I just, there we go. Uh, yeah, so, I sorry, I muted <laughs> myself, unmuted myself, and then remuted myself right before I went to go Excellent talk. Excellent work. So, absolutely. <laughs> That's where we need our, pro- Justin, our producer, Justin, to step in and let me know where I'm at with my mutes. But, uh, no, I, I mean, I'm super concerned about this upcoming weekend. Um, I, I was vying, like I really, really wanted a AFC championship game in Arrowhead Chiefs against the Bengals. I kind of wanted that revenge factor. Uh, but... One thing I will always just throw out there: I am concerned. I bet. I mean, I'm most likely going to bet on the Bengals, depending on what number you can get them at, and what and on the money line as well, just because I'm going to need something when the Chiefs lose to make me feel better. Uh, but the NFL is special for the reason you never know what could happen, and Vegas always likes to come back and you know collect when you're least expecting it. So a Chiefs cover, or even a you know a sneaky Chiefs win, if Mahomes isn't looking that good. I wouldn't be surprised because it's the NFL, but I'm not very excited going into next weekend. I thought this could be kind of everything the Chiefs have been wanting in that rematch against the Bengals. But, I mean, it's just it's it's everything. I mean, you have to have a whole different game plan for this game because Mahomes will not be able to move or you can't expect him to be able to. And then so your offensive line, you're going to have to have a great blocking. You're going to have to have a quick pass game against a pretty decent defense. It's just it's all lining up for the Bengals to, to win this one. So with that being said, would I be surprised if the Chiefs win? No, they got Mahomes. They're a really good team all around. Uh, situationally on defense, they can be good and bad. So it just depends on that. But uh, concerned, to say the least, as you can tell through my two minutes of rambling here.
0: Yeah, um, I, I kind of share your sentiment there with the Beng- or with the Chiefs. Obviously, I would uh, be rooting for the Bengals to win this game anyway, but it is going to be tough for them. Uh, Mahomes probably playing on basically one foot, a high ankle sprain, usually more of a two- to four-week injury. He's going to be playing uh, you know, approximately seven days after the original injury. So it will be very tough. I think a couple things they do have going for them. Bengals have been pretty low in the NFL as far as pressure rate goes, so uh, that could be a positive. Obviously, the Chiefs have a great offensive line. If they can hold off that pressure and really just get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quickly, they could uh, you know, still have a decent game on the offensive side, and then I think they can take advantage of the Bengals' offensive line deficiencies a little more than the Bills were able to without uh, any footing in that snow game up in Buffalo. So I think that's the one thing you're hoping for as a Chiefs fan is Chris Jones takes over this game. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it is going to be a very, very tough afternoon for the Chiefs, if Mahomes is as hobbled as he was in the second half of that Jacksonville game, and a high ankle sprain is no joke, that is a very, very tough injury to come back from after only a week. So we will see how it plays out. We'll get into a little bit more of that game when we uh, react to the Bengals game as well. But let's go ahead and move over to the, the nightcap here. This won't take very long. That's Giants at Eagles. Couldn't have been more wrong about this game. Philly absolutely crushed the Giants 38-7, to and it honestly was not even that close. On the Giants' side, I think you have to be encouraged with the season. Obviously, making the playoffs was not necessarily in the cards for them when the season began. So, getting a playoff win has to be, you know, a positive overall. But just an absolutely horrendous effort in this one. I really, I was just disappointing in the coaching in general. I didn't like their game plan. Uh, I think you, you know, you had to had to force them to get off of the run and make Jalen Hurts make throws with that hurt shoulder. See how back he really was, and they did not do that. I, they got absolutely destroyed. 268 rushing yards for Philly in this one, and 227 total yards for the Giants. I think that pretty much tells the whole story.
1: Yep, you absolutely nailed it. I don't have too much to say on the Giants perspective. I know you have a kind of fantasy-esque question about Daniel Jones we'll get to, but just want to say, you know, good good for uh, Brian Dayball, good for their season. I mean, we thought that the NFC East was going to be the laughingstock of the NFL again. They got three out of their four teams into uh, the divisional round of the playoffs, and the Giants being one of them, so shout out on a great year, but Yeah, just a a complete mismatch. I I saw something this weekend that was basically you would take every single unit on Philadelphia except for running back because of Saquon Barkley and the Giants. So uh, just a complete overmatch. And like I said, I kind of expected that to kind of happen this weekend. I just I didn't quite uh, expect it to be this big.
0: Yeah, I, I just believed in this Giants coaching staff uh, more than they showed me. I I thought they were be we were going to be able to scheme some stuff up. They looked uh, you know really competent against the Vikings, but I guess this just says more about them than anything else here. Honestly, they absolutely dominated the Giants in all facets. My one big fantasy question for the Giants moving forward here is Daniel Jones. Uh, it's really hard to – honestly, th- this was a tough one. There's not many fantasy-relevant receivers here. The tight ends, as much as we love our Daniel Bellinger segment, uh, don't have much relevance either. And then Saquon Barkley also is going to have contract uh, a contract situation this offseason, so really hard to speculate on what his future will be. I think Daniel Jones is the only guy, even though he has a contract situation as well, the only guy we can confidently say is going to be on the team next year. Do we have any confidence in him as a fantasy option, maybe a late round pick? Uh, and then you can kind of transition into your confidence in him in NFL terms moving forward as well.
1: Yep. I have been on a pretty strong, just anti Daniel Jones uh, stint here. And I, and it's not really going to change. I think, if anything, if you're New York and, and you're obviously going to continue moving forward with Daniel Jones, hopefully this game against Philadelphia, you know, lowered how much you're gonna have to pay him and, and you'll be able to keep him at a discounted rate, which is where you want to have somebody like Daniel Jones, um, you know, in NFL terms. And I think of him very similarly in, you know, fantasy terms. If he gets a lot of hype, he gets a new contract, and you know, he, people are drafting him as early as the 8th 10th round next year. No, I'm probably not going to draft Daniel Jones. I'll probably either go a little earlier or I'll just wait and draft, you know, someone even the you know, late someone either in, in that same range that's not right. Daniel Jones or someone after him. So, um, yeah, just, I just – I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I think that he showed a lot in these playoffs and down the stretch of the season. So if you're a Giants fan or the Giants organization and you can get him on a – team-friendly deal. I feel like you can have confidence in him, but he reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott. I mean, it, it, you're. do wow. I think you're going to win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones? No, I don't. So I ultimately always feel like you should be looking for another option if you don't feel like you can win a Super Bowl with that guy. So um, that, yeah, I just, I think he's fine. He's, he would be a great bridge level guy, but I just don't have much confidence in him over that.
0: I think I need to see the Giants invest in the receiver position. Obviously, they tried to do that with Kenny Galladay. That's failed spectacularly. (laughs) But if they're able to bring in maybe a a late first-round wide receiver, uh, somebody to stretch the field for them, uh, I might have a little more confidence in Daniel Jones, but I agree with you. I think he's more uh, more of a streaming option against... know a certain matchup but in games like this against tough defenses on the road it's really tough to trust him and uh, yeah there's no way you're going into next year with him as your only quarterback unless his situation improves substantially with the Giants here I do really like the coaching staff though their offensive line is young and highly drafted so that those are
1: all positives but And good. Yes, they are. It's a really good offensive line. Should improve. So that is a very big positive. Should
0: improve, but it's going to come down to a lot of factors, whether they bring in another receiver to help them out, whether Saquon comes back. There's just a lot of moving pieces here, and it's going to be tough for me to say for sure right now, but I'm probably moving off of Daniel Jones. If there is a lot of hype on him next year, I would agree with you there. Uh, Let's go ahead and move to the Eagles. Again, this one can be pretty quick. They looked fantastic. Their defense was extremely encouraging. They got after Daniel Jones just like they did earlier in the year. They kind of had a, a lull uh, during the back half of the year here with their pressure rate, but they got they got after it in this game, five sacks, and they really didn't have that many dropbacks to go off of. So uh, just a really impressive effort from them. I, I think the only thing I would say about the Eagles here is I'm not really sure how I feel about Jalen Hurts right now. He just really didn't have to do much. I guess he looked healthy, but he definitely slid a couple times where he would have definitely not slid earlier in the year. So I think that shoulder's still bothering him, and it might end up, you know, mattering in a matchup against a a much better defense in San Francisco this weekend. So I, that's the only thing I would say about the Eagles. But fantastic effort they they won and they won very convincingly. So uh, hard for me to knock them too much.
1: Yeah, I, I can't really knock them at all. I feel like they dominated this game and, and they have, you know, one of the top three or four, probably top two or three rosters in the NFL, uh, similar to the team they'll be playing next weekend. It's just all going to come down to, you know, which young slash semi unproven quarterback, you know, is going to kind of pull through that game. So uh, yeah, if you're an Eagles fan, you are flying high through this week, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, you just got an insane matchup, you know, with, uh, San Francisco coming to Philadelphia next weekend. So
0: don't have too much
1: to say, just, I expect it to be an insane game next, uh, Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, I, I, might have, this might be slightly controversial, but I, I think they match up much better with the Niners than they do Dallas. Uh, Dallas has a fantastic defense just like San Francisco, but I believe that even though Dak Prescott had a bad game against the Niners that we'll get to later. He is a much better quarterback than Brock Purdy has more potential to beat them over the top. Uh, I think they just match up really well with this Niners offense. I don't expect them to do much this weekend. And I think the one thing I will say about this weekend is hammer the under right now at 46 is the over under. Are you kidding me? There's no way this game gets to 46. I, I, again, I I shouldn't be speaking in such absolutes after my last weekend here, but I think that is, uh, (laughs) that is my, Definitely going to be my most confident bet heading into the weekend if that number is still uh, around that number around the forty six total.
1: Yeah, you were pretty confident on uh, Cowboys Niners under uh, forty six. I was on the opposite side. I think I'm probably going to be on your side this week. Uh, that San Francisco and the Philadelphia defense both are going to be extremely good. And like I said, we'll just we'll see if either of these two offenses can really get a rolling against either of those two defenses.
0: Let's go ahead and move to our Sunday slate here. Cincinnati at Buffalo, uh, supposed to be one of the games of the year, really just turned into a complete uh, blowout. And, again, this one, another one I just completely whiffed on. Cincinnati wins 27-10. to 10. Very impressive win from the Bengals' side. The weather, honestly, I think that helped them quite a bit in this one. You could really tell that the pass rush was just not able to gain footing here. Helped, uh, obviously, the Bengals beat up offensive line, protect Joe Burrow in this one. But their game plan was just great. They came out got the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. They ran the ball really effectively to start, established the run, and uh, they really just blew the doors off of Buffalo. in pretty much all facets, just like the, uh, the Philadelphia game, obviously the scoreline not quite as severe, but they sort of slowed down once they got control of this game in the second half, again, weather having something to do with that. So I was surprised to see them completely outcoach the Bills in this one, but you got to give all the credit in the world to that Bengals coaching staff and Joe Burrow. He is
1: that dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll start on the Cincinnati side. Like, yeah, they they were, they dominated this game. And like I said, I got the, I was on the right side of the bet because I took Cincinnati plus five and a half, but I expected it to be a field goal, you know, either way. And I was just taking the points. So, um, yeah, this absolutely dominating win. I mean, we get to have that team come play in Kansas City. Um, I mean, one thing, like you said, their their reworked offensive line was really good because I'm pretty sure the Bills had under 40 rushing yards if you take out Josh Allen, um, and the Bengals had probably north of 140 from the running back position. I know Mixon 170. Is that include? I know Joe Burrow had like 30, so I was trying right. to take his out. Yes, yeah, so since I took Allen's out. Rubber. So cool. So yeah, so yeah, 140 yards rushing. I mean, that's what needed to be done in that game in a blizzard in Buffalo. Like. The Bills are so dependent on Josh Allen. That was their biggest issue. It came to fruition in this game. And Cincinnati just simply did what they had to do. Didn't really have a lot of pressure from the scoreboard, but just played their game and played it very well. And unfortunately, that's the team that gets to come into Arrowhead next weekend. Yeah,
0: that'll be a very fun game to watch. I'm hoping the Bengals can continue this momentum heading into next week. Uh, I think they should have all the confidence in the world since they are led by a guy with ice in his veins in Joe Burrow and a very solid unit all around. I think you just gotta again give a lot of credit to that defensive staff. They just they mix up their looks. They don't have a ton of stars on that side of the ball, but they always seem to compete. And uh, you know they they just don't ever get you know blown out on the defensive side of things. So I think you got to just give some credit to the staff. They have really come a long way. Zach Taylor's kind of been the uh, the whipping boy a lot of times for this uh, for this team. Kind of, you know, they, a lot of people have said he's holding Joe uh, Joe Burrow back, but I think he has evolved as a coach, and he looks like uh, he looks like the guy moving forward. And this Bengals team is going to be a stalwart in the AFC for the next five to ten years.
1: Yep. Let's jump over to Buffalo because I feel like this is kind of where a lot of the media has been putting some heat on Josh Allen and the Bills. Yeah,
0: I'm not uh, going to kill the Bills as much as most are. Uh, Again, the Spangles team is really good. They clearly didn't come out and play their game in this one. Uh, But, you know, sometimes you're just not going to play your game. It's a one-game sample. I think uh, they just, at the end of the day, this was a season where they did not have the injury luck at the end of the year. No Von Miller. uh, A lot of defensive pieces missing two guys running into each other and both getting possible concussions. I think just kind of was a microcosm of this bill season and Trudavius white and Jordan Poyer uh, late in that game. It just, that's just kind of how this whole season went for them. They just didn't have the timing and uh, they didn't, they didn't play their best game in this one, obviously, but uh, the Bengals are very good. And I think if they can get, uh, you know, have some better injury luck reload, uh, they'll be just right back in the mix next year. I, I'm not incredibly worried about Josh on long-term tough game, but, I'm not, I'm not writing them off like everybody else is.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't write them off because they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC going up against a pretty iffy division again. So they should be rattling off wins and competing for a one seed next season without a doubt. Um, I don't think necessarily that I'm freaking out if I'm in Buffalo right now, but I do think that, you know, you're running it back one more time. They are going to be in a little bit of a cap situation, so we'll see what they do to kind of make that right. But if you run it back one more time with Sean McDermott and the guys and kind of see how it, how it happens. But if you have another one of these just complete off-game losses, then you probably have to look at making some changes, um, whether that be the coaching staff or what. But I also just think it's a big it's a big deal when you lose Brian Dayball. And if you need any more proof of that, he took the New York Giants roster to the same same round as the Buffalo Bills made it this year. So um, I've, you know, again, everyone's overreacting, or at least they have been the past couple of days due to, you know, it being the biggest games of the year. But I don't think there's, you know, their offensive court, their new offensive coordinators going anywhere. But, you know, we'll see. I feel like that's you know, a pretty big downgrade. And that may be why, you know, this offense wasn't able to get rolling as it had been in previous years. And, you know, why Josh Allen, maybe some of those bad habits started to peek back through, but um, yeah, they're still going to be really good. They're going to give Von Miller back and, you know, we'll see how he is coming off another injury, but you know, if he's 75% of Von Miller, that's a huge piece on the defensive side. So, yeah, I think Buffalo is fine. I just, my only issue with Buffalo is you gotta, you can't have attitude issues like Stefan Diggs. And, and that's my one thing is just whatever his issue is, you gotta get it, it out of there. Because, I mean, just every single game that felt like for the past two months, he was having some kind of fit on the sidelines. And I understand you're the best player on that offense. You wanna get the ball in your hands. All that is all good stuff. But, Sometimes cooler heads prevail, and he never has a cool head. It seems like so. I think that's just something they need to work on internally. Hopefully, they can get that figured out with him. But overall, I'm not that worried about the Bills moving forward. I feel like you know, by six months from now, we're going to be talking about them as a you know Super Bowl favorite for 2024. Yeah, I I didn't have as much of a
0: problem with the Diggs thing as most people did. To be honest with you, I I didn't see that. I I obviously he might be a little bit of a prima donna, but uh, I just. I like guys that have passion, and he clearly wants to win. I don't think it has affected his play on the field to to much degree. Obviously, he didn't have a good game yesterday, but no one in the Bills did. So I don't really put, I'm not really putting that much on Diggs. I I think everybody's overreacting to that. I think, um, you know, he's going to be back there next year, and he's going to be a really good football player once again. So I I think that's something you can deal with. It didn't seem to affect Josh Allen too much. They just had a bad game. And I'm mostly disappointed with Sean McDermott and the coaching staff, to be honest. I I just don't think they, uh, they did a great job in this one. They got out coached pretty heavily by the Bengals side. Yep. Let's go ahead. Uh, yep. Yeah, I tend to agree. And move on to the last game of the evening here. The Cowboys at the Niners. The Niners end up taking this one 19 to 12, hitting my under, the only win of the week for me, but. Let's go ahead and talk about Dallas. I think Dak's interceptions were really the story here on the offensive side for them. Uh, San Francisco's defense is the best in the league, so it's hard for me to knock him too much. I think, again, this is another one everybody's sort of overreacting here to Dak Prescott in a general sense. This is the best defense in the league on the road, so not having a great game statistically is not necessarily you know the end end of the world here, uh, but he just didn't bring his A game, and they needed him to do that. So uh, that that is really the story and again i know it was in the divisional round of the playoffs but it's hard for me to totally kill him for having a slightly off day against a great defense and really i think he he did a pretty good job in the uh, in between the 20s just a couple of bad interceptions one in the red zone and one in his own end that ended up kind of giving the niners about 6 points that sort of you know that's a 6 point swing one way or another and that ends up being the game so uh, the injury to Tony Pollard also had a huge impact. I don't see people talking about that very much, but that was a huge blow. I think their running game was just completely done after that. Ezekiel Elliott is not the guy that you want running against that San Francisco line. You need someone that can get out on the edges and uh, you know beat the Fred Warners of the world to the edge, and Tony Pollard can do that, and Zeke cannot. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know If you want to give your comments on the offensive side of the, the, the Cowboys, but I'm not hammering Dak just like I'm not hammering Josh Allen as much as everybody else is.
1: Yeah, I I mean, did Dak have a bad game? Yes. I mean, is that what you can somewhat come to expect from him at some point? Yes. But 90% of quarterbacks you expect that out of. I mean, everyone's expecting Brock Purdy to completely just crap the bed in one of these games because that's just what happens unless you're in the top 5% of NFL quarterbacks. So I'm not going to knock him that bad. I mean, he is who he is. We saw basically a similar situation last week with Kirk Cousins. If, you know, these guys aren't the top guys, then they're going to have bad weekends like this. So I'm not going to knock Dak. Um, I think Tony Pollard's the biggest reason why the, the Cowboys lost this game. I mean, he has been their RB1 all season long. They have, if you're a fantasy football player that had Tony Pollard on your team, you know just as much as they, how much they use this guy, not only in the run game, but also in the passing game. He was there. He's their second most explosive offensive piece behind CeeDee Lamb. And he may be just as explosive as C D Lamb. So uh, yeah, I mean Tony Pollard's huge. When you come down to a game that's you know the difference of a of a touchdown and you lose your second most explosive offensive piece. Yeah, you you feel like even with a bad game you could have won that one if if you had some injury luck go your way. So I mean if I'm Dallas, I'm not tearing anything down. I mean if I can get my team back to twelve and five and right back into this round of the playoffs next year. I'm gonna take it. And then I'm gonna to hope Tony Pollard doesn't, you know, hurt his ankle and he's able to play the entire game and potentially put us over the top. So yeah, I, I don't have too much to say against Dallas. I felt like Dak threw his interceptions. I did see a funny point that, you know, because if you don't remember, I believe if it may have been last week or it was this week, but Dak Prescott slammed his helmet down after Brad McHopmaher missed an extra point and Somebody tweeted and said that anybody get the video of Brett Maher slamming his helmet down when Dak threw a second interception? But <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that's fair. But <laughs> Brett Maher did not bring his A game in this one either, so I'm sure he wasn't. Yeah, no, his for sure. Down. I forgot exactly how they worded it, but I was like, "Damn, that's really funny." Whoever just thought of that on the spot. But uh, no, like, but like I was saying, I don't really take a lot of this. I mean, if you lose one of your best offensive pieces, you're going to have a bad offensive game. It's just the way it is.
0: Yeah, and their defense looked fantastic in this one they really I mean they kind of shut down this 49ers offense for the most part uh, obviously in the second half with the ball uh, they they had a, they had some good possession in the second half they kind of wore down this defense ended up being able to run the ball a little bit more effectively than it in the first half but Brock Purdy did not look very good he uh, they really got him off his first read a lot of the time and he was trying to you know He was able to use his athleticism against the Seahawks in some lesser defenses, but he tried to do that a few times, and he got tracked down pretty easily against a a stronger Cowboys unit. So I think if they didn't have a couple very questionable penalties against them on that touchdown drive, they would not have given up a single touchdown in this game. Uh, They really did their job, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. I I think this Cowboys team is going to be just fine moving forward. They're all pretty young. They they draft well on the offensive line and on the defensive side of the ball, so I I don't have too many concerns. Obviously, the the history of the Cowboys is the bigger the bigger point most people are harping on, but I, I think this team is looking just fine. They'll be they'll be good for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, this team's gonna be perfectly fine. And any, I mean, it's just it is what it is, man. You're the biggest fan base in the world, and you just have to eat it when when your team loses because everyone hates you because you're the biggest fan base in the world and you get all the primetime games. So I uh, just gotta, gotta take it. You know, when you guys win one, if you guys ever win one again, it's going to be the most glorious moment in Dallas Cowboy history. So just keep taking these lumps because one day it'll all be worth it. One big fantasy
0: question for the Dallas Cowboys before we say goodbye to them for this NFL season. How high do we draft Tony Pollard next year? Uh, let's go ahead and say if they they're either going to bring Zeke back or bring someone else in that will act as you know the hammer style running back in this offense. So let's just go ahead and assume Tony Pollard kind of keeps the role he had this year. How high are you drafting him? Uh, just give me like a round range that you're looking for him in.
1: I mean, if Najee's going at the back of the first, I feel like Tony Pollard has to at least be there. Oh, wow. and I feel like really? that's almost. I feel like that's really high, but I mean, we'll see what happens with this injury. But if you're telling me I'm getting Tony it Pollard did. of this year, I mean, I feel like he's a, a, I mean, where we were drafting Leonard Fournette and Aaron Jones, maybe at that 2-3 turn, if we're lucky, I feel like it's where you're going to get Pollard. But coming off the year he had, he's going to get over-drafted, so I wouldn't doubt it if he touches the first round.
0: Yeah, that's uh, see. I was going to say round uh, round two to three, but uh, you you might be right. I think I think he could end up getting a little bit overdrafted, but it's hard to argue with it. He can really just take the top off of your week and win you uh, you know win you weeks in fantasy pretty easily. And there's no reason for Dallas to move off of him as far as uh, his workload goes. It's probably going to move upward if anything. He did break his fibula in that game, so tough for Tony Pollard to see him. Yeah, you know, sustain that's the biggest thing. A big injury like that, but he's got the full off season. Usually, those type of injuries are I think I believe they're, they're four to six month injuries if my memory serves so he should be just fine moving into next year but something to watch uh yeah I, I think again we'll, we'll monitor what they do with their offense and what kind of pieces they bring in but Tony Pollard should be a very very good fantasy asset moving into next year let's go ahead and jump over to the 49ers uh I think the offense got really exposed in this one we all we were wondering what they would look like against a legit defense and it was not very good they had Several very long field goals from Robbie Gould uh, on, you know, a few of their drives. The one touchdown drive, and I alluded to it earlier. They got a lot of help from the referees on that one, and then uh, two drives where they they ended up had interceptions from Dak Prescott. So they started with a very good field position. So I thought this 49ers offense looked pretty beatable, and I think it does not spell great things for them moving into next week against the Eagles. I think you know if they end up winning that game, it's going to be a thirteen to ten style of affair. So. I think uh, what I thought about this Brock Purdy-led offense was pretty much exactly what we saw play out. They just ended up kind of doing just enough to win this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, damn, you literally <laughs> word for word took about every comment I was going to make though on what you were saying there. Uh, no, that's, I mean, that's a really good analysis. You're you're spot on. I mean, like you said, we'll see what happens. I mean, if you're a Kyle Shanahan, you have to be trying to game plan this game to end up at a 13-10, you know, situation or something like that. I don't, um, again, just uh, the the ers podcast I listen to, man. They think Purdy's the second coming, and he's going to bounce he back. Is not I just, not I don't know. All. I just don't know why you think like I, this is what I do, I hate about you know just NFL fans in general. As just you know, Cowboys fans. Like, I mean, Skip Bayless is the most egregious of any of them. But like, Cooper Rush should be the Cowboys starting quarterback over Dak. He would have won us that game. Like, Cooper Rush had a good sample size, and then he had to play a game that had had to play a good team that had tape on him. And he got absolutely smacked by the uh, Eagles. So I, I just – I don't think that – like when you have a guy, you just – you stick with the guy and just – I'm sorry. With Purdy, in this situation, you just – just uh, he, now you're getting tape on him. You know what the 49ers are going to try and do with this style of quarterback. You just You're eventually going to get him figured out. So I don't think he's dynamic in a sense to where you're not going to be able to figure him out, which is where I think 49ers fans are a little delusional. We wrapped it all the way back around, but I think we finally made the point there. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah, I think Purdy's just that classic one-read quarterback. He's got a little more athleticism than Garoppolo, so he can kind of make some things happen out of the pocket. But uh, if he doesn't have his first read, he's looking to run or he's looking to dump it off to the running back and – that's basically all there was, and the Cowboys are just too good to, you know, have that consistently succeed in, you know, against a good defense. So we saw it succeed against me? the 49ers – or excuse me, the Seahawks, because Kyle Shanahan's a very good play caller. He was able to scheme open a lot of guys uh, and, uh, you know, dump off some uh, work against Justin, can you hear me? defenses that don't have the yeah, linebackers to keep all up. But the Cowboys I don't know. did. Nick, Nick cut out right as he was making
1: that opinion. pretty comment. So, I think if, yeah, like <laughs> I said, if they – We may have to – we may just get that from him on the next episode, so we don't have to get in and cut and edit and all that stuff. Uh, Kyle uh, really, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so We'll jot that down. Game. We'll get uh, we'll uh, we Nick's final coach, take on Brock Purdy on the next episode. But I just to go ahead and wrap it up, I mean, we hit every single game. I don't know if Nick had any final points on the 49ers, but lucky enough we'll be talking about them again in just a couple of days. So like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff. We appreciate it. Peace out, everybody.